Hello, I'm Ellen O'Rourke from HSF's Head Office Advisory Team, and welcome to Reporting for Duties, our limited podcast series aiming to provide bite-sized insights on corporate reporting and ESG throughout the main Australian reporting season. In this episode, we have Timothy Stutt and Barry Wang reporting for duty. Some of you will know that the government has released a consultation on mandatory climate reporting, and today we're going to be diving into some of the key issues coming out of that paper, as consultation is just about to close. Before we get into it, I would first like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, and pay my respects to elders both past, present and emerging. So Barry, perhaps I'll turn to you first, and if you could at a high level give us a sense of the structure of the new reporting regime that's being proposed by the government. Does it have any elements that Australian companies might already be familiar with? Sure, thanks Ellen. As many of our listeners would know, in March 2022, the International Sustainability Standards Board released exposure drafts of disclosure standards IFRS S1 and IFRS S2, which were issued in final in June 2023. IFRS S1 sets out standards for disclosing information that enables investors to assess the effect of significant sustainability-related risks and opportunities, while IFRS S2 sets out reporting standards in relation to the identification, measurement and disclosure of an entity's significant climate-related risks and opportunities. The disclosure requirements under IFRS S2 are based on the recommendations of the Task Force on Climate-Related Financial Disclosures, or TCFD. The disclosures are based on the themes of governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets, supported by 11 recommended disclosures around those themes. According to a report released by the Australian Council of Superannuation Investors in 2022, more than half of the ASX 200 already align climate disclosure to the TCFD framework, so many Australian entities will already be familiar with that framework. In terms of how these standards will be implemented in Australia, Treasury is currently conducting a consultation on legislation to set up the framework to make reporting aligned with IFRS S2 mandatory. And this is an important point to note. The consultation paper focuses on climate-related reporting, and we have so far not seen a lot of momentum to implement the broader sustainability-based IFRS S1 in Australia. Mandatory IFRS S2 aligned disclosures would be phased in for annual reporters under Chapter 2M that meet certain size or emissions thresholds. One notable feature of the proposed Australian reporting regime that I wanted to draw out is a time-limited protection from private litigants in relation to claims for misleading or deceptive conduct, false or misleading representations and similar claims. This would extend to disclosures such as scope three reporting, scenario analysis and transition planning, but it will only be available for the first three years from the regime's commencement and will not be available for actions taken by regulators such as ASIC. Treasury has proposed this as a middle of the road approach in order to balance the interests of, on the one hand, businesses and directors who have expressed concerns about liability risk arising from forward-looking statements, and on the other hand, those who argue that a safe harbour exemption is not necessary. 
In terms of the more granular disclosures that IFRS S2 calls for, these will be a matter for the Australian Accounting Standards Boards to implement in the form of new Australian reporting standards, the precise timing of which is currently unclear. Nevertheless, we do know that the intention is that the Australian standards will generally be aligned with IFRS S2. Thanks, Barry. An interesting point that you picked up there is that the new IWSB standards build upon the existing TCFD framework. So, Tim, are you able to explain a bit more about how the new IWSB standards do build upon and how they are perhaps a bit different from the existing TCFD pillars and or recommendations? I think it's absolutely um, correct to to think that all roads lead back to TCFD on this, but there is a fairly significant step change in the amount and level of detail that IWSB requires, but also that the Australian climate reporting regime will require as well. Um, so within the the TCFD pillars, which Barry talked through, there's now going to be more disclosure of additional information, um, granular information in respect to forward-looking matters. And I'll, I'll step through some of those in a moment. That There's also going to be um, a bit more disclosure required in relation to targets and metrics and, and particular targets and metrics. Also more disclosure in relation to emissions profile across scope one, two and three. Um, I think the upshot is that a lot of a lot of companies which have well-established practices in relation to TCFD will still need to be seriously investing time, effort and resources into coming up the curve on this. Just stepping through the differences between TCFD and IWSB, which forms the basis or is expected to form um, the basis of the content required under the Australian reporting regime. Um, under the governance pillar, there is quite a bit more around board competence and governance of target setting, remuneration policies um, and oversight of management in relation to climate. For the strategy pillar, there is quite a bit more around um, value chain impacts, how targets will be achieved and resourced, targets and use of offsets and the ways in which offsets are going to be relied on and how offsets are being approached by the organisations. Um, more around anticipated changes in financial position and performance, which is a particularly thorny one um, in the context of, of forward-looking statements and the Australian liability liability regime that applies to, um, to corporate disclosures, which are forward-looking statements. Uh, Resilience um, is something which is already reflected in the TCFD, particularly the recommendation around scenario analysis, um, but that is a focus of IWSB as well. I think for the risk management pillar, on the whole, it's pretty consistent. For the metrics and targets pillar, though, there is quite a bit more, so specific greenhouse gas emissions across one, two and three noting that for the purposes of the Australian regime, the government's proposing that there would be an extra period of time for companies to, to pull together their scope three emissions profile, recognising that they would sort of need other people's scope one and two profiles in the first year of reporting to be able to build up their own scope three profile. 
um, they'll also be um, encouraged targets and metrics around capital deployment, internal carbon prices, remuneration, just a more granular level than TCFD previously required because TCFD um, in that in that respect was fairly broad. So all in all, uh, consistent pillars, but more granularity in, in, in what will need to be disclosed. Great, thanks, Tim. So it seems like we'll be keeping our eyes out for a bit of an uplift across the board uh, in Australia when it comes to climate reporting. Thanks so much to everyone for joining us today. This was Timothy Stutt, Barry Wang and Eleanor Rourke reporting for Judy. In the spirit of reconciliation, Herbert Smith Freehills acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes, Spotify or SoundCloud and visit our website, herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.